Hello again, fancy folks. Welcome to Season 3 of Luxi, a podcast to reignite your wonder by exploring the science behind luxury items. I'm your host, Dr. Lex, a former parasitologist and microbiologist, and lover of all things fancy and fabulous. We're back from a little break, back in the U.S., and back to bringing you fun science about fabulous things. This season may feel a little different. One of the reasons is Dr. Demos has switched jobs and has fewer hours to spend as my co-host this season. But not to fear, our lovable engineer will still be making regular appearances on the show and as always will be acting as our really excellent audio engineer. I'm particularly excited about this season of Luxi since we're focusing on something that accounts for a huge portion of the luxury market worldwide something all of us partake in one way or another, and probably one of the oldest luxury items, fashion. Everyone, well, almost everyone, wears clothes, and there's a huge industry behind what we wear and how we wear it. In 2021, it was estimated that the fashion industry revenue was around $1.7 trillion. That's trillion with a T. For me, fashion is what started this whole podcast. I've always been interested in both fashion and science, and so this season is a perfect mashup of my passions as we get to take a much closer look at the science behind fashion. So where do we start? Given the larger scope of the topic, I thought we should start with fabric. After all, fabric is the building block of what we wear. There are two amazing books that will feature prominently in this season, Victoria Finley's Fabric, The Hidden History of the Material World, and The Golden Thread, How Fabric Changed the World by Cassia St. Clair. Both of these authors also wrote fabulous and fascinating books about color that we referenced in season two. And both of these books are a really in-depth look at the history as well as how different fabrics get manufactured. While we will get into the molecular structure, production, and dyeing of various fabrics during the course of the season, I wanted to start off with some really cool science on fabric in general. So today, we'll take a scientific lens to draping, tactile experiences, and even some fun AI-like fabric. It'll be a little more high level, but still super sciencey and super fun. First, I was surprised by how many scientific articles are out there having to do with fabric manufacturing. I suppose I shouldn't have been given how big the garment industry is, but it was still hard to narrow down which articles I wanted to talk about. I thought I would focus on one article about a fundamental property of fabric, one article about how we interact with fabric, and one article about cool new innovations in fabric. But of course, we have to start with definitions because science is all about how you define things. So a textile is a word that was originally used to describe woven fabrics, and it now encompasses a wide range of material, including fibers, yarns, and fabrics. And fabric is thin, flexible material derived from yarn, fibers, polymeric film, foam, or a combination. The meaning of fabric is broader than cloth and includes material, cloth, and goods. Cloth is a flexible substance usually made through weaving, felting, or knitting using natural or synthetic materials. Cloth is a type of fabric, but not all fabrics are cloth. For the purposes of this podcast, I will be using the term fabric more generically. Now, the smallest component of fabric is a fiber. Fibers are thin and hair-like, and their sources can be either natural or synthetic. And they are polymers, which are macromolecules or large molecules made up of smaller chemical units. 
called monomers. And these can be either natural, like cellulose, or synthetic, like plastics. So just because something is a polymer doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad thing. There are wonderful natural polymers out there and even wonderful synthetic polymers. And then you know, there's plastic. Because of how they assemble, fibers are tough and have high elasticity, and they tend to form amorphous structures rather than the beautiful crystals that we talked about in our season on jewelry. Natural polymers are polymers that grow when smaller monomers react and release water or methane molecules or other byproducts, and these are called condensation polymers. Synthetic polymers can either be assembled this way or by addition polymerization, which involves monomers with a double or triple bond and results in no byproducts. So now that your head is full of bonds and polymers and monomers, how does that fabric, that fiber that turns into a fabric, get turned into a garment? Now, one of the ways is draping. And if you're like me and you've watched so many seasons of Project Runway, you feel like you can make all sorts of comments about how garments drape, you know, as you're sort of on the couch fashion designer. <laughs> but what is draping? Simplistically, draping is the way that fabric falls. You could also describe it as the 3D deformation of fabrics arising from their own weight, if you want to be fancy. While draping is the act of creating a garment without cutting, all garments do have a drape since all fabrics possess this quality. And so what is the science behind this phenomenon? It's elastic deformations of a thin sheet of material. Interestingly, draping has caused some problems with scientists trying to create formulas for it. Draping is inhomogeneous, meaning that all of the fabric won't drape the same way. Additionally, for anyone who has added pleats to a garment knows, fabrics can be equally comfortable in many different configurations. Usually, drapes contain flat, cylindrical, or conical shapes, and you can use those shapes to create mathematical equations around how and why a fabric will drape. Additionally, it only takes a small amount of energy to change drape shapes rather radically. And you can see this when a beautiful dress comes walking down a runway and it looks, you know, the fabric is moving, right? So that's actually the drape moving in and out of different states, and there's a small amount of energy to create those different drape shapes. And this is all rather confounding for scientists who are trying to come up with a formula to explain the draping. So why would you want to do that? Why would you want to explain how a fabric drapes? In fashion, it can be a bit subjective, right? The designer or the manufacturer will determine how a piece of fabric is draped. But what if you want it to be consistent, to be the same every single time. Is there a way that you can measure and predict the way a fabric will drape? The idea of quantifying the drape of fabric goes back to the 1930s when a method was developed based on two parameters, the bending length and the flexural rigidity. Flexural rigidity? Yeah, I think it's that one. This is an imprecise estimate because it's only based on two characteristics. It's a 2D representation of a 3D function of the fabric. So in the 1950s, a method called Fabric Research Liberating, or FLR, drape meter was introduced, and it also introduced the concept of a drape coefficient. This is essentially a function of the test that is used to determine the drape. So to do this test, you take a circular sample of fabric between two circular plates, and then an optical meter is used to trace the pattern of that fabric onto a thin piece of paper. The pattern is cut out and weighed to get the drape coefficient. And that drape coefficient is the ratio of the projected draped area of the fabric sample to its undraped area. Essentially, how much of the fabric was involved in the drape. Improvements were made to this technique, but still had one major issue, which was the issue with the other test. And, and that is it's a two-day process to measure a 3D phenomenon. 
Additionally, laying the fabric down to drape means that gravity is acting perpendicular to the fabric plane in this type of testing, while in garments, gravity acts parallel to the fabric plane. So you're not actually getting an accurate representation of how the fabric would drape in a garment. So the authors of a paper published in 2015 in PLOS One decided to try to find a better way to quantify drape in fabric. And they used a bit of a homegrown solution. They took a clamp and clamped the fabric. They used a Microsoft Connect sensor and a computer. And the Connect sensor created a 3D image of the drape fabric that could be analyzed for its characteristics. And they were able to measure parameters of the drape, like peak height, peak width, bending index, all of which allowed for a more comprehensive understanding of the draping of the fabric, which I think is pretty cool. Who knew so much science was involved just in measuring how fabric falls? And this could potentially be used by garment manufacturers to have a consistent drape in their garments that are mass produced. So every pair of pants from Banana Republic would feel the same. So we talked a little bit about the science behind fabric drapes and how to measure that. But how do we as humans interact with fabric? We all have our favorites. For example, I'm not actually a huge fan of cashmere. No matter how soft, it always ends up being itchy, to me at least. Interestingly, science doesn't fully know how sensory responses in the brain work. What we do know is that touch originates at your skin and then is transmitted through peripheral nerves to the central nervous system for recognition. So how can we measure if people like the feel of a fabric? Historically, you ask them, there's questionnaires, and but these can be variable and definitely prone to being hard to interpret. So a group led by Zhao Zhao published an article in PLOS One in 2020 about using electroencephalographic spectra, or EEGs, to more subjectively measure how people respond to fabric feel. So EEGs measure your brain waves, which is the electrical activity caused by neurons in your brain. So this group of researchers took 12 adults, hooked them up to EEGs, and had them feel three different types of fabric, cotton, nylon, and a polyester wool blend. They definitely found differences in the EEGs for all the different types of fabric, and those differences correlated to how people said they felt about the fabric. So there were definitely discernible patterns in the EEGs that were different for each fabric. And while this is cool, I'm not entirely sure about the wider application. Of course, fabric feel is very important for those using prosthetics, um, or anyone who has to have fabric on them for an extended period of time. And perhaps, you know, if you're dealing with people who have disabilities, they won't be able to accurately voice how they feel about a fabric. So this could be useful. Otherwise, it seems like just asking people whether they like the fabric feel or not is probably a pretty good way to go because people will most likely be pretty truthful about how they feel about something. So what's the fabric of the future? It could be having textile-based robotic wearables. A research group recently published their work in, the, in PNAS in 2022 looking at logic controllers made of textiles. So logic controllers are digital computers with, with programmable memory to store program instructions and various functions. And these are often used in industrial automation. So the team created their te computer textile using nylon taffeta fabric coated with thermoplastic polyurethane, essentially making it weatherproof. And they built it using stacked textile sheets and 2D sheet-based valves. And their textile computer could store data in memory, accept user input, and actuate pneumatic devices. And this is important because if you're thinking about kind of a wearable computer, you know, what are the potential applications for that? And a lot of those applications happen to be for people with disabilities. You know, there's prosthetics and things like that. But what if someone just needed a little bit of help 
moving a hand or moving an arm. So you could use these pneumatic devices to assist people living with disabilities. And these computers that were made by this research group were very lightweight and didn't impede movement, and but were also very robust and tough and could withstand being worn and, and also didn't really have a large uh, physical imprint, which I think is important you know, for people who might be a little bit shy about um, needing assistance. So I thought this was a really interesting potential use for fabrics going forward, um, thinking about so quote unquote smart fabrics. Time for our glossary. So today we learned about polymers, which are large molecules made by bonding together a series of building blocks, which are monomers. There's monomers, which are the building blocks of polymers. There's draping, which is essentially how fabric falls or if you want to be fancy, the 3D distortion of a sheet as the result of its own weight. And we also learned about electrocephalographic spectra, or the visual representation of brainwaves. And usually, at the end of this podcast, I do a cocktail party fact or facts so that, you know, if you're in a party setting or out the bar and you don't, all of a sudden don't have anything to talk about, you can just pull out one of these amazing facts and instantly get the conversation going. But I don't really have one or two facts that stood out to me this episode. It's more the overall fact that there's so much science around fabric. I did not anticipate that, and I'm so thrilled that I've been able to present just a little bit of the material sciences world around fabric. So that is all for this episode of Luxi. As always, a huge thank you to my audio engineer and sometimes co-host, Dr. Demos. Our theme music is Harlequin Mood by Birdie. And as we start this third season, please do share this podcast with friends. It's the best way for our message of fun and sophisticated science to spread. Also, follow us on social media at LuxiPod and say hi. We always like to hear from you.